everybody, welcome back to the Great and Terrible AHS. We are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 3, The Replacements. Um, I'm joined again by Miss Shadow Lovely and Slowby Pinging. Hello. Um, this episode has some like really severe ups and downs, I would say. I, I think it's got some really, really good moments. I think it's got some really wonderful deliveries. And I think it's got some very interesting premises that it then... Uh, you know, delivers on some, doesn't deliver on the other. Again, <laughs> I, I'm like starting to fall fall off on this season a little bit more, but I think they're still doing a pretty good job, and there's still enough interesting things going on that I'm I'm into it. I don't know how y'all feel at this point. Yeah, I I think this uh, again, this is me completely tinfoil hat theorying. I have no like actual evidence to prove this is true. Um, I joked about in our group chat that like, oh, this is where the good writer got fired. You can tell the exact point where the good writer got fired that that is a joke but like i think it is like kind of evident in this episode that like clearly there are two sets of writers <laughs> and I, so, one of them is good and one of them is the american <laughs> horror stories writers <laughs> i'll i'll tell you after last time because we've talked about this uh and um i kind of agree with you that there's something that seems like a little different this time around but imdb at least i can't i don't see like any there's like the writers of the first two episodes, they're a little, there's Ryan Murphy and Ryan Falchuk, plus like, it's plus one, and they're different people in episodes one and two, but they're people who've been in previous episodes, you mm-hmm. know? So I can't figure out what's different, if anything, around it, the writing. But like, I, I, do, I, even... I do agree. It's, oh, I did have a theory for it, though. Yeah. My, a different theory. I, I noticed that episodes one and two of American Horror Story aren't really scary, it's more like horror themed drama. So, yeah. like, maybe this is just more their forte. It's like, stop trying to be horror. Just do dark drama like you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, your own little personal... That, that is know. a very good point. And there will be a scene later on where I even have notes about it that I think drives your point home, I think, like, impeccably in this episode specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, another, like, uh, the other thing is, I think if there is another writer, I think it's probably a ghost writer. Um, and they were mm. like, we don't really want to... Because it's no secret that, like, uh, Murphy and Falchuk don't really, like, love this show it's kind of like they know it's what yeah it's it puts money on the table so to speak and then they'd rather be doing something else so it wouldn't surprise me if there was like a ghostwriter that got paid to like do this for them or or my other theory is that um they let the actors have more agency in this Mm. season and let them maybe ad lib a little bit more um maybe have a little more fun with the dialogue because you can tell with like the deliveries that like kind of felt like the actor chose to do that and they weren't directed to do that like Jessica Lang feels like one of those like actors who can self-direct pretty pretty well um right and she's really feeling a character um but who could say again it's all speculation but like this episode specifically definitely feels like the two plots that we see are written by very different people <laughs> Right. Uh, the opening is pretty strong, though. Um, I actually like this opening. Um, it opens with Fiona and like waking up, tossing and turning in the middle of the night. Wakes up. Um, she's thirsty. She's real thirsty. She goes to like grab a drink off the nightstand, and it's empty. And she's like, "Fuck!" Um, and she goes downstairs to get a drink. And she opens the booze cabinet, and she's like, obviously like wrestling with some kind of demon, not literally, but like figuratively. Um, and she's like having a flashback. This is one of our only flashbacks that we get um this episode thankfully and she gets a flashback to herself (laughs) when she was young at the school um we get a little title card that explains new orleans 1971 which is nice 
Um, this is one of the few times that a title card with a date and a place feels like it's earned. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she's talking to the last Supreme. I actually kind of like this. I like the inclusion of the, them showing us the last Supreme because she doesn't play like a big <laughs> part in this like season. Um, but mm-hmm. it was nice to see like what the old Supreme was like because I think the idea may have been before showing this character like, oh, they're all like Fiona. They're like a bad bitch. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like top bitch. Like you fear them. Like, but no, she's like a really sweet lady um, who just happens to be all powerful. Um, and like she, she being the old Supreme, Anna Lee, um, is like, oh, Fiona, like young Fiona. Um, you didn't go out with everybody else. Like, what's going on? And Fiona's like, oh, I don't, I don't get involved in all that stuff. I guess everybody else is at like a feminism rally or something. <laughs> um, yeah, she's like, says something like, yeah, like, I was surprised you're not with them, like burning bras and stuff. And she's like, I don't like the smell of Playtex or something. Yeah. Which, <laughs> um, yeah. Which is like kind of a, a throwaway line, but it's a funny little world building. Um, and the Supreme's like, just kind of talking to her about stuff. And I don't remember exactly how they get on the topic, but it kind of turns into a little back and forth about um, Fiona knows essentially that she's, she should be the next Supreme um, because there are tells and we kind of get a little more world building about that. Um, And the way that it works is that the old Supreme, when the new one is coming to like, kind of like witch puberty, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. where they start developing their seven wonders, their seven powers, the old one will start dying. Um, you know, like the Lion King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and um, Fiona's like, I can tell that you're already starting to go out. Like, you, you've gotten diabetes over the last few years. You have, like, this health condition. Um, your power is obviously fading. Like, that's the thing is the... It's kind of revealed now that that's Fiona's, like... I don't know if we would call it her motivation, but like her, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Not catalyst, but like conflict. Her conflict is primarily driven by the fact that when a new Supreme rises, the old one will die and the old one has to die for the new one to take place. And it's not like a controllable thing. It's just a thing that this is, will yeah. absolutely happen. It feels like kind of like the like uh, sort of an inversion or a um, what's what I'm looking for when you like change something like you have like a, a new kind of like a subversion. Yeah, yeah, like a subversion of that trope of like oh my beauty's fading with age and my mortality is approaching and it's like kind of that but also wrapped into this because you're destined to die for the next supreme that kind of thing. Yeah, it's very much so like already already grappling with mortality, but then having to also grapple with the fact of watching the person who's going to take your place actively kill you without them actually participating in it. Right. Um, not yeah. Fiona, though. Fiona decides to participate in it and kills Anna Lee by slitting her throat. Um, <laughs> Very direct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Fiona decides to just skip the middleman and kills Anna Lee, which is not <laughs> something that typically happens. Usually it's like a passing of the torch situation. Fiona decides to fast track it by slitting uh, Anna Lee's throat. And this is a good example of a flashback and a transition that is done quite well, not like spectacularly or anything, but very competently for American Horror Story, where we see young Fiona kill Anna Lee in a specific spot of the house and like is looking down at her body and it cuts over her shoulder to show a young version of Spalding, the butler who has his tongue cut out, standing behind her witnessing the crime. And then it transitions to current day, and Fiona is standing in the same spot, but looking at a painting of Anna Lee. 
and over her shoulder is Spalding, now the same age as she is in current day, um, with his tongue cut out. And she just looks at him and goes, cat got your tongue, um, which... A, they do a good transition of showing the exact scene at two different points. Um, so it ties it together and it makes sense. Um, it makes sense why those characters would be having that interaction. And then on top of that, it answers a question, some intrigue that was introduced in episode one of, well, why does Spalding not have a tongue without just like directly saying it? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's why. Like, it's it's one of those things where like, it isn't super relevant to the plot, at least not right now, but they give us the answer without like hold- taking our hand, holding our palm out and placing the answer in the palm of they our hand. Yeah, they don't look at the, they don't grab the camera, turn it directly at them and go, we <laughs> remove Spaulding's. It was Fiona. I did it. I removed Spaulding's time. Me. <laughs> the end? Question yeah, mark? Yeah. Then, <laughs> moral, there was a Spaulding. Um, this will be funny because this will happen another time by the end of the episode. And poor Spaulding, like, he's just got to stop standing in that hallway because every time he does, something bad happens. Um, but yeah, so that's a pretty... And then it cuts to the opening sequence, um, which is a, a pretty effective... Um, opener again um good this is a good bit of the episode um we got a little bit of lore we now finally have unfurled like the full gravity of fiona's like her her motivations which is she knows she's actively dying Mm-hmm. And it tells us uh, like a bit more about the character and fills out more of the character of someone that we are actually interested of an interesting character of a character I want to know more about. Right. Like Fiona's pretty like a pretty fascinating character. So yeah. hearing more of her backstory and being like, oh, no, she's she's just always been vicious like this. I see. Like, it's good. I care. I give a shit. They're they're talking about a character I give a shit about in the opening instead of being like there was a piggy man. <laughs> Here's a guy guy you're never gonna see again or if you do it will only be this episode and then he'll not be in the show anymore <laughs> unless unless we feel like the need to just bring him up in another season just because like ah, <laughs> who's a fan Looking at you again piggy man it's always the goddamn <laughs> piggy man no matter what it always comes back to the goddamn piggy man i hate it here <laughs> you um, remember american horror stories piggy man right right super fans all right post about that on reddit or whatever you kids do <laughs> yeah, you know. live tweet hey. this uh, then it cuts to, um, like, I guess this part's a flashback. This part was a little bit, like, confusing, but I get what they were going for. Um, like, it's Fiona at, like, a jazz club. I thought it was a flashback, but she seems to be, like, the same age. So I think what they're doing is she's sitting at a bar current day, like a jazz club mm-hmm. current yeah. day, um, and she's giving a voiceover. That's why it seems like a flashback, because she's giving a voiceover. Um, and she's, like, saying that, like, basically she's talking about how easy it's always been for her to get dick. Um, Mm -hmm. and how, like, men have always, like, fawned over her and how she's had, like, every type of man on Earth, like, politicians, powerful men, like, she just goes down a whole whole list and none of the men are paying attention to her now. without using magic, just being attractive, yeah. Yeah. And now, and now just, like, the way it's shot, too, is, like, they show her sitting at the bar and they show like a couple of a couple of young studs sitting in the corner talking like clearly building up the courage to like go talk to a woman. And um, then they show those men walking past her to like two younger women sitting next to her at the bar. And that's kind of like the, it, it, it's very much like an aesthetic and an overall like trying to give you an idea of the character. But I agree that the, the framing and the way they let it, especially with a flashback coming right before it was like a little weird. 
Yeah, it doesn't really, even if it were a flashback, it doesn't really, like, affect it all that much. But, like, I think it is kind of nice, like Slow Beef just said a few uh, a few minutes ago about what we were talking about, is it is kind of like a subversion of the normal trope of, like, oh, like, a, a woman who doesn't want to get old for vanity or whatever. Because, like, there, it shows mm-hmm. in this scene that, yeah, it is about, like, the subversion version of, like, oh, no, it's because of the magic and, like, she's dying because of the magic. But also right. a little bit... She yeah. liked the attention and it is vanity. So it's not completely just the magic. She is one of those characters who I, is very vain. I think it adds something to the character. So that way she's not just like this shallow. She's not just completely shallow, right? Like yeah. there's more to it, you know, which I, I do appreciate that. I'm not comfortable with liking parts of this show, but whatever. It's fine. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's <laughs> kind of the reoccurring yeah. theme of this season is like, I hate to like this, but a little bit, a little bit. They're doing a good job. <laughs> We'll get there. And I think vanity and a lust for power can easily overlap, especially if you're, you know, utilizing your appearance in ends to receive additional sure. power or whatever, 100%. So, like, you know, again, it's it's a believable trait for this character to have, and it's not being presented in a way that's, like, clownish or, like, a parable for children, I think, which I think is good. I think you put it uh, a good way to listen, too, is, like, because it's, like, it's also a, a, a villain trait that comes from weakness in the sense, too, that it's not just straight-up mm-hmm. vanity or whatever. Yeah, part of it is, like, her fading youth and blah, blah, blah. But also, yeah, also, like, there's a bit of, like, more mortality to it in that, like, okay, the next Supreme's here, and you're supposed to welcome them, but it also means you're going to go. You know, so also like it is kind of not necessarily like a nice thing, but it does provide a little bit of cushion for them to also have like good reasoning for why a character might be triggered by something like we'll get a scene later where she sees a younger one of the witches who is obviously getting attention from men. And like, even though that's not exactly why she's interested in that, witch, it very clearly triggers her. Um, in like a genuine way, not in just like a Lamau so triggered. Like she genuinely gets triggered by it and is like that very clearly plays into her like deep seated insecurities. So it also gives like some plausible deniability of like, oh yeah, no, it would make sense why this would make this character react this way. Mm-hmm. Um, instead mm-hmm. of them just arbitrarily doing something for what seems to be no reason other than the plot needing to move forward. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then it cuts to her at a plastic surgeon's office where she's like, I want to see what you're going to do. And they're talking about, I believe, just a, a gen- like a general facelift. <laughs> it's so funny the way they're describing it. They were like, make sure you talk about the fat cells in the butt meat a lot. Make sure you make it sound really <laughs> gross and fucked up when they're like, yeah, uh, like, <laughs> so sorry, this doctor's bedside manner is insane. Um, so like the first thing he says, he's like, yeah, so we're going to like, uh, you know, just cut a couple spots on your face and then we'll just pop your face right off. It's great. Did you know your face isn't even like attached that good? It's crazy. I'm going to rip that shit off. It's full fucking boop, pop that bad boy off. We're going to harvest some fat cells from your fat ass and just plop them in your face, bad boy. Seal you back up. Pop, pop. Good to go. Like, <laughs> he's yeah. trying to be medical, but that's essentially like the vibe he is giving in just a very clinical fashion. Just being like, yeah, we're, I'm going to flip your face right open, baby. By and the way, insurance there, doesn't like, cover this. <laughs> Yeah, it looks looks less horrified and more just like annoyed at like, God, scientists are so bad at describing what they do. (laughs) Yeah, this is a a little bit of groundwork, though, that they're laying of like her getting ready. And she's like very visibly like disassociating as he's describing this, like realizing like, oh, like he's going to fuck my face up in order to make this is what I have to do in order to look youthful. 
Um, and it's laying groundwork for something that will happen later, which is another clever thing that I like about this episode. Um, yeah. is that tie in later? Um, there, there are parallels <laughs> between characters that it makes sense to have parallels between. <laughs> be fair, like I feel like we're like grading like a like a one hundred and one creative writing class where we're oh, like 100%. you did a really good job with this thing called foreshadowing. And yeah, it's like this network show that like makes it but it is true. 100% that whenever I'm doing notes for this and I have to like pop into the group chat and I'm like oh hey I really like that you did this it's like the most basic filmmaking 101 <laughs> and then when they make a mistake I'm like uh oh we gotta take points off for that one like <laughs> that's genuinely how this this season feels uh, is like oh no they made a mistake like you're doing appear, you made an ellipses out of semicolons here that's no good <laughs> Minus 10 points towards your total overall score. Uh, but um, then it cuts to the beginning of the fuck shit um, <laughs> subplot we of this. We cut to Zoe being the I would like to nominate Zoe for worst dumbest character of the episode. Of this season. Let's just go ahead and get that out there. Yeah. Every episode yeah, that Zoe's been in, Zoe's just a dumb piece of shit. Every episode that Zoe's in. Her power sucks and her decision making is worse. <laughs> Like, zero out of ten. Like, the brain cell never gets handed to Zoe. Not, like, there is a character who is, like, for all intents and purposes, a bimbo, and that's Madison. And she is leaps and bounds smarter than oh, yeah. Zoe every time oh, she yeah, has to make a decision. God. It's just so funny because I'm so used to having, like, and this character isn't special, making them the most special of all. And then the whole thing is it's, like, you know, they're, they're written to be very intelligent or very witty or, like, they make impossibly good decisions at, you know, impossible times or something. And, no, nah, Zoe just is uh, bad at yeah, she uh, sucks. magic That's and all it is. Yeah. Uh, just her day-to-day -day life, decision-making, relationships. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, <laughs> her power is, is, like, the worst witch power. And then on top of that, she definitely doesn't have the common sense witch power. Like, the one that every human being has most of the time, the one that lets you make, like, <laughs> rational decisions and right. like, think about the repercussions of your actions. She doesn't have that. Um, uh, yeah. To an impressive I, degree. She has... I, I, yeah, like, if you're talking about, like, purely someone who makes decisions logically versus emotionally versus, you know, like, some middle ground pragmatically... Um, yeah, she just like has a feeling and goes for it. <laughs> like pure, like no thought whatsoever. Huh. I wonder if this would be a good thing. No, I'll just do it. I'll find yeah, out. Yeah, we'll way. find out later. <laughs> or she'll be like, I think this is gonna be a bad thing, and then does it anyway. Um <laughs> like in the last episode where she um turned Kyle into a zombie with Madison. Um so yeah. Uh, God, yeah. The one time her gut was correct of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. And then Madison was like, shut up. And she's like, yes, chef. <laughs> Got it. Uh, which even like, even Madison knew it was going to be a bad idea, but she's like, I owe you one and you're stupid and obsessed with this guy you talked to for 15 minutes. So whatever. This is obviously what you want. Here you go. Um, anyway, we're about to meet the, the worst. Um, the first character we're going to meet uh, in this season so far that I'm like, man, this could have been not a person who was in the show, actually. We just didn't need the subplot at all, actually. I, you know what? Hot take. I didn't need lore for the Frankenstein 
boy once he became frankenstein oh, boy yeah, that's yeah. all the that's all the lore i needed i don't need to know what he was like yeah. before he turned into the frankenstein and, boy just he's the frankenstein boy now and the worst part f- for me at least is i already was like it's okay i don't need more of this and then they started it and it was like starting to make an interesting point and i was like okay holy shit maybe you can do this and then they're like we're putting sex in it. And it's just like, God damn it. You ruined it again. You fucking idiot. Stop, please. Yeah, it is one of those things where like, we talk about it every season and this season was not free of it. Of like, the writer's idea and like understanding of like human sexuality, like sexual relationships and like trauma around sexuality and pregnancy um, they just don't understand it, nor are they willing to look into it. Um, they just go with what they think sounds right. Um, and it's usually not correct and also makes everyone uncomfortable. Uh, they so- also just have a very one-dimensional elementary view of sex, in my opinion. Like, it's always either this was sex and it was incredibly good and it made everyone better and stronger or this was sex and it was terrible and everyone hated it and it's going to ruin every character involved's life and like where's the mid sex that's what I want to know where's the, where's the time where two characters bang and they're like that was lovely I'm going to go to bed now it is exclusively ranked competitive sex there is no casual sex in the American mm. horror story universe oh god I hate to be stuck in floor one of sex <laughs> Oh, and I know. I, so we, all we, I can we, say is thank goodness for double elimination sex, right, everybody? <laughs> now, there's something Sam Bankman Fried was definitely a bronze five at. Am I right, gamers? <laughs> you are, uh, though. So, we've, we've basically we've buried the lead fully here um, because who we're introduced to right now is Kyle's mom. Um, and if that goes where you think it's going, it's go- yeah, it's going to. Uh, we kind of spoiled what happens. Um,. You can feel it. You can feel the vibe, the way they have the characters interact. Like, shout outs to this actress. Um, She does her terrible deed correctly. Uh, Like, she did great at what she was supposed to do. It's unfortunate that what she was supposed to do sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And when we have... So, okay, we're starting with Zoe making a bad decision number one. And that's going to visit Kyle's grieving mother. Um, Why? Is my biggest question, like, why are you going to visit the grieving mother of um, a guy? I mean, like, you know he's a zombie now. I can't stop incriminating myself. I can't (laughs) stop. (laughs) Yeah, you know he's a zombie now, but, like, maybe keep it to yourself, dude. (laughs) So what, what, weirdly enough, what doesn't make sense to me on this, and this is, like, the, the smallest detail, is, like, this is a character who's acting like they went from never having a single moment of guilt in their life to immediately feeling like they were responsible for the death of five people, which would be reasonable, except, like, the reason Zoe's here is because she accidentally murdered her boyfriend, right? Yeah. So, like, she she's probably already dealt with some shit. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be, like, a tipping point in this way for her. Because um, that's what it feels like, right, is they're trying to have her, like, have a, like, a, a guilty breakdown almost over the well, course of five okay. fucking episodes. So, this is... <laughs> there, there, there's no physical way that this could be the case but there is a show that came out um like during the pandemic so it's way after this came out called cruel summer where there's the concept of a girl who was like held hostage and then she was found she was kidnapped and missing for a long time and then she was found 
Um, and then like the the thing that goes on is like she kind of makes that her personality, and like it's kind of revealed that maybe she was making some of it up, um, to like embellish it and stuff like that. But really, the like the key element of it is that the girl who could have saved her life didn't, and she's wrestling with the guilt of that, and also like the public view of her not helping out the girl who was kidnapped for a long time that the whole town knew about. Anyway, where I'm going with this is the character who is the one who could have saved the girl. Um, she does this thing where she inserts herself because she knew she's she is for all intents and purposes a sociopath. Um, she knew that popular girl. She knew she was being held hostage. She saw her, but she would like go around. She didn't save her. She didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell the police. But she would go to like um, that girl's family and like people that knew that girl and like be like, yeah, it's so sad about her and like really inserted herself in the popular girl who went missing's life because she liked getting the attention of the popular girl who went missing. And that is a lot what Zoe feels like, is like Zoe is not entitled to any attention from this guy dying. She only talked to Mm -hmm. this dude for 15 minutes at a party, but it's like she wants to be like known as like his girlfriend who's like in mourning. (laughs) She wants to, like, get that... It's almost like a weird, like... It's like a variation on Munchausen's almost, right? Where, like, you want to get that attention and you want to get that coddling and you want to get that treatment. And, like... Or you feel like you went through something that was pretty bad, maybe not as bad, but you feel like you should get that same level of treatment, too. Or a case of, like... You feel like if you if it if you were that person, maybe you wouldn't have gotten the same. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's you know a what? weird thing. It, I think it's like it's it's coming across almost like that she's like an obsessive girlfriend because she didn't even get to date, but she didn't even get to date this guy or anything. But like, I it's just I feel like I'm supposed. I'm, I feel like she's not supposed to be that. I feel like I'm supposed to like Zoe and maybe like kind of feel bad for her that she's in over her head or something. But yeah, like I just kind of sitting here like why like why are like you going to this length? You did just like, meet this guy and you know And it would be something if he was like the hottest dude in the universe and they had played Zoe as a character who just had never had any success in the past and was now like, you know, maybe getting a little a little in over her head about it. But again, started with a boyfriend that she killed with her coochie. Yeah. <laughs> so like that doesn't work. And um also this is just uh, it's just what I can't remember his name. I'm gonna say Kyle. Kyle. Is it's it Kyle? Kyle. Yeah. It is Kyle. Great. I was just gonna pull a random generic name, and Kyle <laughs> came to check. So yeah, it's just fucking Kyle. It's not like Chris Evans walked up to her and was like, "Hey, babe." <laughs> like it was. It's, it's just fucking Kyle. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and like, even if it, good. He was. I was gonna say he was like he was polite. He was nice to her. Sure. Like, he was a a fine person but like he treated he treated her like a guy who's part of a group who needs to run distraction on a girl's friend and i'm not even kidding i've seen that like that's why when she starts treating like oh he was such a good guy or whatever i'm like he was the grenade man and you were the grenade (laughs) that's what it was (laughs) they wanted to have sex with madison so they told him to like go get you off of her like that's that's a known thing yeah (laughs) i think what's weird too like even if this was like Chris Evans or something like he's fucking dead you know like this kind of like this is what makes it all weird because it's like oh I really am into it like you know you met him in a day so it'd be like oh man this guy he's the hottest guy he fucking died in a car crash like it's a novelty thing it's not like holy shit that's my soulmate for real because that makes you sound like the weirdo 
Yeah. Which, you like, know, I think for, she is, but whatever. For context, yeah. if anybody who's listening has played Baldur's Gate 3, one of, like, the first <laughs> quests you do is, like, helping release a girl from, like, captivity whose husband died um, and a hag promises to revive him. And because it's a hag, she... Um, tricks her and makes him a zombie because that's all she can do. Um, And the character... No, I'm joking. (laughs) The character is like, yeah, I'm pregnant and he was the love of my life. I'm willing to put up with him being a zombie. Like, don't kill him. Like, he's fine even though he's, like, just rotting bones. Like, that... It makes sense because um, that was her soulmate and she's pregnant and she's young and, like, he died unexpectedly. Yeah, um, they had met before. That's another bit yeah. more of that, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of gravity there, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, it's fucked up, but I understand why that character would react that way. Um, right. And not want to let go of her dead husband because it's her husband, and she hasn't like come to terms with his passing, um, and she doesn't have closure. Zoe talked to this guy for 15 minutes at a party, um, barely, about like surface level <laughs> shit. Um, and is acting the exact same way. And so I think I what it is, is like, uh, like, there's also like a little part of me that wonders if they are really hoping that we're carrying the association of this being Tate and Violet from season one into this season where we're like, oh, yeah, no, those two people go together. That's Tate and Violet. Do they? Um, <laughs> which is not a good thing to do if you do an anthology no. series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's also like, yeah, they have some. Tate's got some baggage there. Like yeah, Kyle's Tate. nice, you know. Well, that's Tate's the thing is, like, of... they act like Tate and Violet is, like, a great couple. <laughs> and, like, you should really be rooting for them. And for what it's worth, a lot of people did. Yeah, um, fair, I'm not yeah. one of them, but a lot of people did. Yeah, uh, they were yeah, very popular yeah. on Tumblr. Um, uh. To a very... <laughs> obnoxious degree and i think that they really are hoping that people have that association anyway um the only reason why this is important is because it does lead us to the subplot there's two plots in this episode and that's one of them um and it takes up most of the episode uh so she's talking to well first she meets this lady and the first thing that we see is this lady rolling a blunt some of you who may be watching along may have recognized this lady as the lady from Colt who was also rolling a blunt when we first met her. Um, oh, yeah. The lady who knew about the clowns and was, like, down I to fight to, them. I love to, love to load my t- tiny glup shit O-pipe and just take a take a big hit before I talk to someone about my dead son. Yeah. <laughs> you know, normal stuff. Um, it's not relevant that she's smoking weed, Um Except for that, like, this is going to be another weird example of them being like, people who smoke weed are bad people. It's just, uh, or they're dumb and they die right away. (laughs) Like, we don't know why, but, like, they have this weird, like, moral grandstanding about weed specifically. um, That, oh, this should be a hint that this character is going to be shitty. They're smoking weed. Um but yeah, then they never have the characters like act like they've smoked weed. Anyway, it's very odd. She's smoking weed. Um, <laughs> That's really the other thing. Yeah, like they don't ever have someone like smoke weed and then just like fall asleep on a couch mid conversation or something. Like <laughs> it's like I'm gonna smoke weed and then like rob a store at gunpoint. Like there's never like a middle ground. Like it's always no. If someone smokes always- weed, they're probably cannibals who run like a cannabis farm or something. 
Um, oh my god, like, this character smoked weed and accidentally ate two more sleeves of Oreos than they intended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and and they ate a little bit of people meat, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it's really the Oreos that we're feeling about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, like, the the mom, who I'm going to be real with you, I usually write down the names of these characters, but um, all you need to know is she's a white lady with dreadlocks who smokes weed and um, has an unhealthy um, attachment to her son. Uh, so I didn't write her name down. I don't know her name. I, I think the dreadlocks are even arguable, frankly. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, it's not worth knowing her. Right? Yeah, it's just Kyle's mom. And she's like, yeah, um, uh, here's all this stuff that was so good about my son. Like, And here's where they start to do a good and interesting character. Because um, we don't know yeah. that she's going to be a weird fucked up character at, in like 30 minutes. Um she starts talking about like she starts dropping breadcrumbs like oh his dad left and he had to become the man of the house and that opens up the door to a very interesting conversation about single yeah. mothers who develop unhealthy attachments to their sons and use them as surrogate husbands yeah. that is an interesting and good conversation that most mm -hmm. media is not willing to explore and what yeah and what that does to the kids growing up and like having to immediately take care of like a full family of people older than they are regardless yeah that kind of stuff it's an interesting problem with a lot of very serious implications don't worry they're gonna fuck it up yeah <laughs> don't worry mm. um mm. one of the primary like um negative repercussions of this type of toxic like um, connection between a mother and it doesn't even have to be a single mother sometimes it's just what most people would refer to as a boy mom tm um is what's referred to as emotional incest which is where um, a mom does use their son as like a surrogate husband in the way that like they get very jealous when their son gets a girlfriend and like they try to like sabotage <laughs> their son's relationships um because they don't want to lose that connection that they have with their son when their son goes and marries another woman and they view that woman as another woman like that's a real tangible thing that happens to a lot of people um and they could have done something here with that um they didn't need to like i said i don't really need a backstory for the frankenstein boy um <laughs> like this really didn't need to be here at all but it like is extra brutal that it didn't need to be here and they let in in a way that made you go like oh maybe they're gonna do something and then they're not no <laughs> they're, not. they're not um and they didn't even go the boring route of just being like yeah no he was like a really good guy before he died which was also where i thought originally when i first saw this show that's where they were going with it um they don't even do that which would have been fine unnecessary but fine um and so as this lady's like talking to zoe like you see the fucking idiot wheels like cranking in zoe's head where she's like because this lady like reveals to her like oh yeah 30 seconds before you called me to say you wanted to come talk to me i was gonna kill myself <laughs> um <laughs> and it's like oh okay um weird thing to and dump on this teenager for what it's worth that was the first time uh, an alarm bell went off in my head because I was like, ah, uh, they wouldn't write this character being this distraught without something really fucked up being going on in the background, which, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And I guess this gives, yeah. like, Zoe, like, a savior complex or whatever, because um, you definitely see the idiot wheels turning in her head, and she's like, I'm about to fuck up big style. And yeah, she will. mom's like, I wish I just had one more chance to say goodbye, and Zoe's like, wait a minute, I know a way to give her one more chance to say goodbye, and it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 the mom won't like this. She won't like it. Um, It'll be weird, but don't worry, audience, it's not going to be weird in the way you think it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for a different and worse weirder. reason. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> so back at the school for witches, um, a dude who does look a lot like Chris Evans is outside unloading a moving truck, and he's shirtless. Um, his name is Luke Ramsey, the character. I don't know what the actor's name is. He just looks like Chris Evans. Um, and Queenie and Nan are upstairs at their house watching him do this because he's hot, and Madison walks up and is like, oh, hey, hot guy. Um, and then the hot guy's mom comes out and that's played, um, that's a lady, I don't remember her name, I write it down later, but, um, the mom is played by Patty Lapone, which if anybody has seen, um, Bo is Afraid, uh, she's also the fucked up mom in Bo is Afraid. Um, <laughs> just imagine I that just character. That. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you've seen it, you know exactly what we're talking about. Just imagine yeah. that lady, um, but really religious. <laughs> that's this character. <laughs> It's um. <laughs> so funny because they have they have the guy out there like with his shirt off lifting stuff and they have the mom come out and yell and it's the most like cover them bad boys up you stupid idiot and him just being like but ma it's hot out and she's like them titties gonna drive them girls crazy cover them up <laughs> like, but it's hot ma <laughs> yeah they are like weirdly I bet like Jesus kind wouldn't of like them out. they're in like Louisiana. I don't know where like mm-hmm. this weird drawl comes in, but they are like weirdly southern, and they're like, <laughs> she's like, go put on a clean shirt, boy, and like they're like very evangelical. It's very odd. Anyway, um, she starts quoting the Bible, which is to like tell us that this is a very religious character. Um, and then they all look up and see like Madison looking at him because he's hot. Um, then we cut to kind of a funny subplot, um, a sub-subplot, which is just character development for Delphine. So Obama's on TV. Um, a shocking <sighs> sentence to come out of my mouth, I'm sure, after what we've just been talking about. And Delphine is full-on fucking weeping um, because a black man is the president. Just full-on fucking sobbing because of it. And Fiona comes into her room and is like, you fucking idiot, yeah. Yeah, he's our president. I voted for him twice, you fucking moron. Like, get over it. Like, you know what? You suck so bad, you're the maid now. Like, you're so bad and you're Uh, so racist, you're the maid now. I love the delivery, by the way, of, that magic box is filled with lies! (laughs) I think think Kathy Bates saves this scene because there is, I had a big eye roll at like, ah, you were a former slave owner, look who the president is. And like, it's not equal. You know what I mean? It doesn't make up for it. It's, she's still way bad. It's like, we had a poet, black poet laureate, a black man. It's like, yeah, but still, she's like, all right, you're the maid for these witches. I'm like, okay, we're getting there. Like, we're starting on the yeah. path. All right, all right. I, her, uh, yeah, and, Kathy Bates has so much is. fun delivering these lines, and it's wonderful, truly. It's great, too, because with the poet laureate line, she does this great hissing, like, lies. And I, I can't do it justice, <laughs> but it was, it was like a very venomous, yeah, like, yeah, Kathy Bates was great. Yeah, Kathy Bates is having, and Kathy Bates likes playing nasty ladies, and I love that for her. Like, it's not, she's never a character like Fiona or like um, any of Jessica Lange's characters where she's like kind of weirdly ambiguous, like, oh, does she have some good in her? Like, no, nasty lady. That's a nasty lady. That's a nasty woman who's very nasty. Um, so, yeah, so that sets up for the next scene, which is downstairs. The girls are like, um, the girls being Madison, Nan, and Queenie. Um, are getting ready to eat lunch. Um, I made a little note about this in the um, group chat, but they did. I think this is where I think they give like the actors a little bit of more free reign to like do what they want with mm-hmm. um, the characters because uh, Madison, who's played by Emma Roberts, I think one of the Emmas, um, <laughs> Emma Roberts, I believe, um, 
she is she's the one who plays Madison, who is a movie star. Um, all the other girls like fill up their plates with food because it's like buffet style, and she just takes one olive and puts it on her plate and sits down <laughs> like that's her meal. And it's it's really easy to miss because it's not in frame really, um, and it's right. not important. They don't draw attention to it, but. It's one of those things that they absolutely wouldn't have done in another season, if that makes any sense. Like, that's the little type of detail that they absolutely would not have paid attention to in another season. I feel like in another season, it would have been like, all right, now for my dinner, one olive. Yeah. Uh, I wish we could get rid of the carbs on these. You know what I mean? It would have been like, yeah. all right, yeah, I got it. Thank you. you know? yeah. I wish we could get rid of the carbs on me. I mean, you yes. didn't have me until that little extra stinger. That sucked, dude. Good job. <laughs> per- perfect no notes, you fucking wad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> And again, but I'm not uh, wrong. No, you're not no, wrong. It's, it's too. It's so accurate. It makes me a little mad. Yeah, that's the thing. Is going back to what we said at the beginning of this. Is it feels like we're grading like someone's first attempt at making a TV show, and we're like, oh, that was good. You did good. That was a good basic thing you did um, for this TV show. Good world building. Good job. Plus one point. Um, and then the payoff for the previous scene of well, one of the payoffs um, of. Uh, this is Nan and Queenie and Madison are having a conversation about the guy next door and how hot he is. Then they do a weird thing um, where they have Nan be like, I get so much dick all the time, which they made Adeline do this. Uh, it's the same actress. They made Adeline do this in season one where it's like, OK, um, it feels like you're trying to make a statement the writers of American Horror Story, that you always make this actress um, tell everybody how much dick she gets constantly, which no other characters do that, in case you're curious. It feels like you're trying to make a statement, and I'm not sure if you know how to. Um, and it just comes across as <laughs> odd that, these, that this actress has to say it every time she's playing a character in this show. Um... And then yeah, I'll save you all the, the like 10 meandering paragraphs I wrote in the group chat to eventually end up on. So I guess they shouldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like it's one of those like nobody asked type things. Yeah. Like, OK, American Horror Story. Nobody asked. Um, and then yeah, like, I think you're maybe trying to do a positivity thing, but it, it's just strange. It's just weird. It's badly delivered. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah. The Nan who is the one who can read minds, like outs Queenie as being a virgin. And Queenie's like, yeah, I'm saving myself. Um, and then Delphine, who is now the maid, um, brings them lunch on like a tray. And she starts to be racist to Queenie, um, who gets ready to slap the shit out of her. Um, and then Fiona walks in and Fiona's like, yo, Delphine, are you being racist again? You fucking loser. You know what? I'm going to be making you the maid was your punishment. Now I'm making you Queenie's personal slave. I fucking hate you. <laughs> um, which I kind of like that escalation. I like that. She's like, all right, I had made you the maid to like punish you. If you're going to be racist, I'm going to make you be the maid specifically to the one girl you're being racist to. Good luck, idiot. Hey, qu- quick narrative check. Um, does Fiona have any more reason to keep Lady Delphine around? Because it seems like the whole reason she was there is, how were you immortal? And then she said, the the queen of voodoo did it. And then Fiona went, fuck. <laughs> and I just don't think Delphine has any other purpose. So I guess Fiona's just fucking with her uh, at this point. No, 
she kind of does. They kind of like hinted it. Uh, bargaining chip. She's a bargaining chip for Marie. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, She's yeah. the one thing that, like, Fiona has that Marie might want. Because right now, mm-hmm. Fiona has nothing Marie wants. Um, And they're enemies. <laughs> um, We're going to take a very brief detour to my favorite place, which is Misty Day's Swamp Hut. Um, love that lady. Love her. She's my favorite sad little Why is witch. Everyone's so mean to Misty. <laughs> I don't know. And she's my baby and my angel, and everyone's so mean to her all the time. And for no reason. Like she's a little she's like a little eccentric, but she's we're gonna meet a character coming up who's like a hundred times more eccentric than her, and nobody's mean to that lady. Um anyway. She's just like a very like Sing songy, very like again, very flowy lady in general. Very flower and, like, child lady. To be around. Yeah, very yeah. flower child, very positive. But it's also like there, it's not like a flower child to couch something else. It's not like trying to hide a blade. She's just like this. And yeah, like, yeah. These people are wonderful. I, I, it's so weird. It's like being mean to like a five year old. They don't. Come on. <laughs> I feel like I feel like American Horror Stories doing like freaking hippies, right? You're like, ah, we don't really do that anymore. Like, no, we're not. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, no, I'm like, yeah. She's fun. I like her vibe. And <laughs> Seems they like the, the party would be more fun with. Like, and the cool thing about her, the thing that I like so much about her is she's another subversion of a trope of, like, she's, like, the hippie flower child, like, peace child, um, and they gave her fucking necromancy as her power, which is, like, a big subversion of that type of, like, a witch. Like, you'd expect her to be like, oh, yeah, no, she can like make plants grow really well or something botany. yeah Literally botany yeah exactly like some gift of life shit and it's gift of life shit but like you know in a witch way it's cool yeah Misty yeah. Day's like a good character and I, Delia's a botany yeah. witch and that's she's like the nerd so like another subversion of that trope like they do they really turn it on its head as far as like what character you would expect to have like what ability um so yeah. Yeah, like Zoe's Zoe's bad and her power also sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah God. Uh, you know, you know how she has like the killer coochie or whatever. Um, so anyway, uh we're at her hut and she's a new Fleetwood Mac song is playing. Um, like I said, a new one will play every time she's on the screen. Um, and she's like laying in her bed with uh zombie Kyle who's just kinda like zonked out looking at the ceiling, and she's like talking to him just kinda absent mindedly, and she's like, Yeah, um, I haven't really found my tribe and like when so-and-so joined Fleetwood Mac, like just talking about how important Fleetwood Mac is to her and how she wishes how lonely she is and how she wants to find her tribe. Um, kind of define like we already knew, but now we really know that like her defining characteristic is um, she was ostracized by the one group that accepted her, which was the evangelicals um, because of her power. And she feels incredibly lonely Um now and now that she's found other witches she has like some hope um and she's hopeful and that again, she it, meets other people in a truly in a truly like baby bird hop onto my back let me carry you to the river let us go child like kind of way like truly <laughs> helpless and sweet it, it. <laughs> yeah she just genuinely is like excited that there are people like her and she wants to like be a part of that. She's not like she again, she's like a little eccentric, but like it comes from a place of desperation. Like she's desperate, like, oh, I've been given the opportunity to be like with like minded and other people who have powers like me. Um, and then for some reason, and that person is Zoe, and for some reason, Zoe's like, You're fucking weird, don't talk to me. Um, and Zoe shows <laughs> up 
and is like, hey, I'm here for my zombie boyfriend. And Misty's like, look, I fixed your zombie boyfriend. And she like shows her like the the scars and like how they've healed. And she's like fixed his, his scars and whatnot. Um, and Zoe's like, that's so cool. I'm going to take him now. I'm going to take him back to his mom. She, she even mentioned Zoe's like, wow, that's incredible work you did. And then Misty starts being like, yeah, I used this kind of mud and I did all this, that and the other. It's very much like, please. Talk to this woman. She's so lonely. She's going to die. (laughs) Yeah. She's so desperate for like some kind of positive interaction with someone. Um, And like Zoe doesn't have a reason not to like be nice to her. Like she's not in a hurry. She's never been in a hurry in this whole show. (laughs) (laughs) But like Misty's like, oh, uh, well, don't don't take him like I I, I still have to fix him up like a little bit. And um, I I don't want you to take him. Um, please be my friend. Uh, you want to stay for dinner? And Zoe's like, oh, no, I got to go. Um, see, see, you never No, Don't worry. I'll come back. I'll I'll come back for you for sure. And it's like, OK, now you're just being cruel. Like you're being cruel for no reason. Yeah. This like lying. Even if you don't like trust her cooking or whatever and you're worried she's going to like stew you a rabbit or something and you're one of those people who can't deal with food straight from the wilderness, um, then just be like, hey, you ever tried the uh, Popeye's $5 chicken sandwich? <laughs> Do you want to? Yeah. I mean, like, let's go. Let's go get some Popeye's. Yeah. <laughs> just something, you know. Take her to McDonald's. I think she's throwing up into one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I was just, I, I think she is trying to, I think the problem is, like, she's still, like, that, like, kind of young teenager kind of character where it's just like, oh, you're not cool enough for me, and I don't know what that is, but whatever, you know, and it's just annoying because, like, you know, Misty's such a likable character, so, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah, work it, well. It, it comes off as, like, actively being antagonistic because yeah. Misty is shown to be nothing but a delight. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And the way that Misty, like, even Misty has, like, a little second here where she, like, kind of snaps in desperation where Zoe's like, no, I'm going to take him back to his mom. You have to let me take him back to his mom. And she kind of, like, snaps and she's like, no, I fixed him. Like, you can't take him away. He Like, he has to stay with me. I'm taking care of him. Like, almost like she's, like, wants to be his mom um, because she's obviously grown attached to him because it's the only person she's had contact with in her, like, secluded little swamp hut. Um, and even in that, she's not like malicious. She's just like very desperate. Like, no, you you can't. I like you shouldn't. I fixed him, and you're taking him away now. Like and, that's not fair. And she's kind of right, you know. I mean, we know where it's is going in a way, but she's mm-hmm. you know technically she is correct, even if not for the right reasons or whatever. Yeah. Um. And <laughs> after this interaction happens, Misty just uh turns on the radio and dances through the pain um of having her heart broken, which. Go off, Queen. Love love that for you. Don't love that you're getting shitted on, but love that you just dance through the tears. Um, love Misty Day. She's my angel. Anyway, that's all we see of Misty Day this episode. I'm glad we got to see her, but it was very sad. Um, now it's time for Madison to try and fuck the guy next door. So Madison and Nan go next door with a cake to meet Luke, the religious son's or the religious lady's son. Um, and like Madison immediately is like trying to bang him. Um, like just straight up coming on to him. Um, and Nan uses her mind reading abilities to know what his favorite cake was and like brings it over and it's like, hey, it's your favorite cake. And he's like, whoa, it's my favorite cake. And he like clearly takes a liking to Nan more than Madison because Madison's kind of <laughs> nasty. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but also that's cheating. Reading his mind to find out his favorite cake. Listen, if someone I had never met before ever in my life brought my favorite cake to my house i'd be like uh 
like, I think I'm going to call the police. Um, <laughs> like, how do you know that? This is a little too, like, specific. He's, yeah, but he, he's down home, you know, southern, like, hot boy. He doesn't know nothing about the internet or stalkers or anything, you know? Oh, mom, but it's hot out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And then Joan comes in, the mom, that's her name, um, comes in and is like, uh, bye sluts, we gotta go to church. And they're like, it's Friday. And she's like, yeah, we talk to Jesus every day in this house. Fuck off. Um, and then like, Madison tries to have like a back and forth with her, like being sassy, and she takes the knife out of Nan's hand to cut the cake. And is like, we're gonna have the cake now. You can't tell us what to do. And then Joan like tries to take it from her and they kind of scuffle over the cake knife. And then Madison just telekineses the knife out of her hand into the wall. Um, That's such a Zoe move. Yeah, real <laughs> Zoe-ass like, move. Yeah, maybe with Zoe it would be like an accident, but still, it's a pretty Zoe move. Yeah. IMO. It, it gets fully <laughs> lodged like in the ceiling. It's pretty like obviously not thrown anyway um so am, okay quick quick question am i stupid in thinking that if there was a school for witches or someone who had like a special kind of power or something like this mm-hmm. i know I where you're going like, and you're not you're right sorry god 101 the first lesson you get when walking in the door and the thing that they drill into you every year from the year you walk in to the year you leave is be careful who you let know about your shit. Yes. The most powerful bartering, the most powerful chip you have is that information. Cause if they don't know that shit, you can bust it out and fuck their life up. <laughs> you know, like it's one of the, like, even if you're doing it from a vindictive point of view, that knowledge is over. That's fucking overwhelming. The ability that you just have TK in your pocket. Like don't, don't spoil that shit. Hey, don't give that game away. There's- and then also just like the, there's people currently like actively doing witch hunts and and you just told the hyper religious person next door that y- you are them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just like a, it's like there's a reason we don't have commercials for the witches' school. Not a, <laughs> everyone would come, and b, everyone would come. You know, yeah. so it's like, yeah. Well, that they do kind of like it's like the sub sub subplot, but like that's kind of Fiona's like character is like her coming back and being like oh I my daughter's not doing a good job of running the school like these girls are gonna get found out and like murdered I have to come Mm -hmm. back and be the supremes and teach them to not fuck up and like get owned or whatever like and Fiona even says something to the effect of like even the best of them is the least of us even the least of us is stronger than the best of them like Fiona very much so tries to reinforce that in her character. It's just that we have so much else going on with Fiona that, like, we don't really see that yeah. coming through. But it's they do her, address it's it. It's not her main motivation. Yeah. Like, right. It just isn't her main motivation. Like, from a character standpoint, she is currently much more invested in another thing and is passively on the side using that maybe as an excuse. Maybe not to some extent. I, I think... And, and we do see more of that, of the characterization later. So I guess that's fair that she's just... Why? Well, it's almost like they wrote a really nuanced character. Um, She just is like trying to do better than the Supremes before her and clearly feels a little bit like she has not lived up to that uh, on top of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I, I guess that makes That's sense. That's the yeah. takeaway kind of by the end of the episode is she knows Still that she though, has failed like, as a Supreme. Even if you're a botanist, even if you have the worst condition of all and are a botanist, I still think you would manage to get, don't let people know you're a witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Day one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as they're walking out, um, Nan and Madison, because she's like, get out of my house. 
Um, Madison sets the uh, the curtains on fire with her mind because now she has pyrokinesis. New Madison power just dropped. She has telekinesis and pyrokinesis now. Um, nerf this character. Sorry. Yeah, she. Yeah, nerf <laughs> Madison. Like, uh, listen, we've already got Zoe who only has like death coochie. You couldn't give her a little buff. You had to give Madison a buff. Who already had telekinesis. Like. Unfair. I'm Zoe main now. I'm gonna win a tournament with Zoe and show everybody. <laughs> oh my god! She's the Dan of this I'm season. Gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna slam that coochie in unbelievable ways. People won't know you could deploy it in that fashion. Unblockable setup, coochie mode. Oh my god! He picked Zoe the disrespect. <laughs> oh my god! It's like he doesn't even care about the tournament, bro. No respect for the game. Oh, oh my god. Um, elsewhere. So yeah, she has. She just does fire now. Yeah, she does fire okay, now. Okay, next. <laughs> um, that'll go, it'll come up later. Don't worry. Um, so elsewhere, this is where we get the um, that like the the tie in to the other scene earlier. Um, we're at a fertility doctor now. Delia's decided. I guess it's weird. I guess that like the spell that she did with her husband when they banged in like the snake circle didn't work, which is weird because they definitely framed it like it did work in the episode it happened in. Um. But I guess the implication is that it didn't. Um, and so now her husband's out of town and she has gone to the fertility doctor she said she wouldn't go to, which I guess it's good that they address this because people like us would be like, all right, even like the most hard headed character would eventually give in to the fertility doctor option if they're willing to do like spells for it. If that was their primary motivator, 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, and so they do address that by having her go to the fertility doctor and being like, all right, we'll give it a shot. We'll give the fertility treatments a shot. Um, and then we get a parallel shot, shot for shot of her being at the fertility doctor and Fiona, her mother, being at the plastic surgeon. Um, and they are both being delivered the same news at the same time, which is that neither of them are eligible for their their surgeries or their like what they're having done because of a specific blood disorder that they have. Um, and it's, a, it, it ties in the scene we saw earlier of Fiona being at the plastic surgeon. And it also explains, like, there's a reason these two characters would be parallel. They're not just random people. They are mother and daughter who already have, like, a little bit of, um, conflict between them, obviously. They're not, like, they don't have a great relationship. Um, but this is a thing that brings them together, even though they're not in the same room. Um, it's just a good like parallel shot of delivering this two opposite or these two sets of information about two different characters that it affects them in the same way, um, which is that they can't have something they want very badly because of a specific blood disorder. And I think the thing that like is worth giving credit here for is like without adding any additional information, without feeling the need to slap more layers on top of it, just the framing and the editing show that. There is a connection and makes you, the viewer, think about the connection in your own brain with your own context that you've put together as opposed to just saying it out loud to you, you know? And I think that's really like where the benefits of this kind of editing come in is just you get to say more while saying less. So the script and the storyline say stay overall like simpler, but they feel more rich and complete, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And they do yes. a good job here. Yeah. Um, and so that that pretty much summarizes that scene that's the that's the end of it essentially um and now we're, i i vote i don't know how you guys feel about it i vote we speed run um this particular yeah. segment 
Um, Please. Yeah. So this is the culmination of the why would it be a bad idea to bring a zombie boy to see his grieving mother, which a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, there's a lot of ways that could go wrong. Like I've read Frankenstein. <laughs> like I, I know that this could go badly. It's not going to go badly for the reason you think it is. Um, and trigger oh, warning. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Now hold on. Now hold on. It is half going to go it wrong is. for the reason yes. you think it is. It, the thing you think is going to happen is going to happen, but not for the reason you think it's going to happen. Um, so trigger warning, um, more sexual assault. They love it. They, the American horror story people love this fucking plot. I'm doing air quotes around plot cause it's not, um, mm. basically TLDR, um, Zoe brings Kyle and just kind of drops him off on the front porch. Like, here you go. Brought me <laughs> your dead son. Um, and his mom fucking screams because she sees her dead son on the porch and brings him inside, has no further questions about it. Um, and then um, it like cuts to another scene and then we'll come back to this, but I vote we just get it out of the way. Um, later, the mom comes back into the room where Kyle's like laying on the bed and she's like, something is different about you. I can't really put my finger on what's wrong. Um, this could like easily, we don't need an explanation. I think the fact that he's nonverbal and also covered in like sutures you know, is enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the IMO. And, and you know what too? Also I, the fact that he's like an inch or two taller. Yeah, than he was. yeah. I was going to say, and there's probably like that kind of like, I know he can't be physically different because he's my son, but like he seems fe- like he's physically different different somehow you know like and they imply in other seasons that like a mother is all-knowing when it comes to their child like they can tell when something is different like that that would have been a cheap cop-out but like he's obviously a zombie so like she gets a little bit of leeway for just kind of feeling the vibes are off you know what i mean like she doesn't this need is, something is- yeah this is very much one of them where it feels like when they had originally written it they were planning on having like Kyle Satan mode being like a very convincing, you know, Kyle simulcrum until like a pivotal moment happened and then he goes demon mode. But instead it was just like, nah, he just doesn't say words. Um, he just kind of like lies around and looks at shit. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> indistinguishable also, from again, Kyle. has very obvious like physical sutures around his like joint parts that indicate that his body has been sewn back together. Because, yeah, they weren't even all healed. Like, there's some around the shoulder and neck that are still visible, yeah. And so, again, this character doesn't need, like, plausible deniability to know that something is weird with her son. But instead, what the writers have decided is um, she's going to see him in the shower because he's going to freak out about getting water on him for some reason. I guess that's a thing zombies don't like. And she's going to throw the curtain open, (laughs) look at his wiener, and be like, that's not my son's wiener. And... (laughs) Like, that's how I know, because da-da-da-da, I molest my son all the time. Um, That's how they decide to make this character know something is wrong with her son, instead of just, you know, giving her a pass of, he's acting like a zombie, and clearly is a zombie that's been sewn back together. They're like, we're going to add this weird layer to it. Um, for some reason, it's it's nothing for no one. Um, it does nothing for anyone. It will eventually culminate because again, I'm just getting all of these scenes out of the way because they are yeah, intermittent please, amongst yeah. the appreci- rest of it. 
We appreciate your sacrifice on this. Yeah. <laughs> it culminates with a scene um, a few minutes later where um, she's like, that's not your wiener. I know your wiener. Let me twerk on you a little. And he <sighs> freaks out because obviously he doesn't like this and he's been abused for a, a good portion of time, evidently. Um, and he bludgeons her to death with a, um, I think it's a trophy. It's like a sports trophy. Um in like a zombie way like he still doesn't have his faculties he's just kind of hollering and bludgeons her he he does yell no which i think might be the first actual complete words he's said Mm -hmm. since the beginning of his healing so like there is a little bit of like oh that was the thing that snapped him to reality which again is just like who who cares me yeah (laughs) i didn't i don't need lore about frankenstein's monster i think frankenstein's monster sucks put him back yeah we didn't need this guy (laughs) get out of here adam no one cares um yeah and then eventually zoe will like go to visit them because at the an earlier point the mom will call and be like i think something's a little weird with kyle can you come talk to him which already doesn't make sense but they needed zoe to be here and pick him up from school i guess um and she comes (laughs) to the house and this is what i was saying with slow beef's point earlier of like i think they remembered they were trying to do horror and they do it so dog shit of they have like this is a notable drop in quality of like writing they have zoe show up to the house which is like all blacked out like the lights are out i'm like does does the zombie not like the lights on like why would this be a thing and then she's like walking through the house she lets herself in because no one answers the door um and like the tv's on like a static channel and i'm like did the zombie do that like is there any other reason that that would be happening other than like (laughs) they thought it looked scary um just very clearly like oh oh, shit we forgot we were doing a horror show um and then they just started like going down the list of like uh 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 the the lights are out the power's out um but also the tv's on and there's like static on the tv because that's real scary and she's gonna walk around the house and it's gonna be real tense um and then she goes into the bedroom and sees like the bludgeoned mom on the ground and then she turns around and kyle is just behind her um inexplicably uh covered in blood and she screams um that's the end of that subplot for this episode thank god um no one asked for it no one wanted it but it's done now for this episode so we don't have to talk about it no more um (laughs) yeah thank god um Anyway, back at the school, Fiona is uh, mixing pills and booze after getting the bad news from the doctor that she can't get her facelift. Spalding uh, walks Joan, the religious lady, in from next door, and Joan's like, here, Fiona, I brought you a Bible. I'm your new neighbor. And Joan's like, gross. Or, I'm sorry, Fiona's like, gross. Um, And then Joan (laughs) is like, your slutty little student uh, threw a knife at my head and missed me by three inches and Fiona kind of mumbles to herself and goes damn she needs to work <laughs> on her aim and I'm like hell yeah we, lo- we love the queen shit here um, and then Madison walks in and is like yeah I set your curtains on fire because I summoned the devil and then that kind of like sets off a little alarm bell in Fiona's mind of like uh oh one of my students just developed a second power that's what happens when one of them is going to start becoming the new supreme um, so basically yeah. just like really like throws gasoline on her conflict of her like greatest fear just got like the nitro pushed yeah. on it. Like her time. There's a name. Is, yeah. 
It, it has a name now, Madison. Yeah. yeah. Before this, it was just there is there is a doom at the end of this rainbow, and now I the doom is wearing heels and walking over at me and being a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and for what it's worth, they do a good job because Madison is, for all intents and purposes, of all the girls that are there, a very good reflection of what young Fiona was like. Yeah. And they do a lot of that in the upcoming scenes of showing that, like, yeah, Madison is basically young Fiona, um, like to a T. And it almost. It almost informs us more about, like, what Fiona has been, like, long-term just by equating yeah. so many of her actions and behaviors to a young movie starlet. It's really smart to, like, give Fiona some of that nature without having, you know, some weird contrivance where she was also a movie star at some point or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So they do a good job there. That's going to kick off the the other plot of this um, and rectify it pretty quickly. Um, another TLDR thing that happens that like kind of is important, kind of isn't, is Delia goes to meet Marie. Um, she doesn't know that Fiona's already been there. And she's like, hey, can you do this um, ritual where I give you my husband's jizz and you boil it or whatever? And then you kill a goat I, and you take a four-day nap. Uh, and I'm sorry. Detail that's very funny because they do. So what it is is she goes and she's talking to Mary Laveau in the back and... Um, she, <laughs> sorry they give details on the ritual and one of the details like right away killed me was they were like i'm gonna need two ounces of your husband's nut and i'm like this guy has been this guy must the, be loving the fact that his wife can't have kids damn <laughs> actually <laughs> if i may i i really did not like this line because i felt like it was kind of bullshit where it feels like they're trying to make angela bassett like real deep cajun and she's like you'll take your husband's baby gravy which i'm like i don't the know baby about. gravy line was so bad i love the concept yeah the way she said baby gravy was not good yeah it was just like <laughs> i don't the think other thing that makes right. this scene very funny is that she's sitting on like this bone throne which for what it's worth cool set they did a cool set for her where like in mm -hmm. the back room of her salon she's got like this cool bone throne she's just chilling on but she is just chilling on it playing solitaire on an ipad so like while she's doing this kind of laid back in the skyrim yarl pose playing solitaire on her ipad she's like discussing this like very intensive fertility ritual that she could potentially do for delia um it's it's just very funny um and then oh does end on the my favorite instruction because I have had many engineering rituals that go the same way where I just like do a bunch of crazy shit and bleed everywhere for two days and then an incredible product is formed. The difference is, uh, you know, I, less jizz, uh, same amount of sleeping though, because at the end of the ritual, she just passes out on the ground for four days, which I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <That's the stuff. laughs> and they go into details about all this stuff. And then at the end, um, she's like, how much money will it cost? and she's like $50,000 and then she like reveals that she's like just like yanking her chain because she would never help her because she's Fiona's daughter and like Delia comes to realize that like her last form of help which was Marie Laveau um, is not going to help her because her mother has already been here and burned that bridge so has just yet again um, ruined something in her life without her even knowing it um, back at the school um it's this is where it's intermingled with the shots of like Kyle and whatever. Um, Zoe comes home, Nan reads her mind, and then we like Nan puts on headphones and is like, "This is how I keep the voices out of my head." Um, and then elsewhere, Madison uh, has been taken out to lunch by Fiona, um, and they're like having a conversation. And like, it's obvious to us, the uh, audience, that Fiona is manipulating Madison 
Um, because Madison is, you know, young and easily manipulated, <laughs> easily manipulated. Um, and like Fiona gets the information that like Madison doesn't have a good relationship with her mom. So like Fiona kind of like gives her that in a way. Um, and she like teaches, uh, she teaches Madison another power, which is to mind control a guy to walk out into traffic. Um, so now Madison has three powers. Um, and then uh, the final subplot is back at the house. Queenie is loving having Delphine as her own personal servant. But I guess I didn't realize until this point that the girls don't know who Delphine is, which is wild because they were all at the tour yeah. where they saw her <laughs> on the walls um, in photos or not photos, but paintings. I don't know why they didn't know that was her, but they didn't evidently. Um, also wild that this information wouldn't be shared in any way, shape, or form. Because, like, even if it is a bartering chip with, uh... Marie Laveau. You know, Marie Laveau, like, that's still just... That's, like, smart. Like, the other witches should like that. You explain, like, hey, we have a little bit of a thing back and forth. <laughs> and, uh, so this is good for us. We want this. This is a bartering chip against our enemies. Great. Cool. Yeah. It, it would at least get everybody on the same page. Um, right, yeah. But that didn't happen, I guess, because all of the sudden, like, they're having their back and forth of what you would expect to happen of Delphine not being happy that she has to, you know, be a slave yeah. to someone she sees as lesser than. Um, and then the Minotaur shows up um, to fuck her up, to fuck up Delphine. Oh, and yeah, Delphine's the like, Minotaur. This yeah, is a thing. The Del <laughs> Delphine's like, hey, the fucking Minotaur is outside. And then she explains who that is and, like, what, what her connection is. And then Queenie's like, wait a second, you're fucking that racist lady that we learned about on the tour? And I'm like, how did you not know that? Um, and then, like, Queenie's like, well, I'm really going to fuck you up now. I didn't realize you were the fucking racist lady. Um which again, I don't know how she didn't. But um, and then Delphine like starts groveling, and she's like, "You gotta help me! You gotta help me!" She's like on her knees, like begging, and Queenie like begrudgingly is like, "All right, I guess." And she cuts Delphine's hand and like gets a rag and like takes the blood on the rag to like, um, I guess sh she believes that Minotaurs play by bloodhound rules, which luckily for her they do in this universe, and she like wanders outside to confront the minotaur and she like lures the minotaur to a greenhouse um where she does something unexpected um good for her she's not a coward like some of the people in this show yeah. uh she fucks the minotaur good for her um Is good it job queenie um yeah. all right sure yeah <laughs> um we'll give it to you queenie Yay. yeah i mean she she went for it she she saw the minotaur and she was like listen you're not given the opportunity to fuck a minotaur every day I have to shoot I, my shot. I'm like, you know what? Go for it. Like, you're not wrong. It, like, listen, that one guy with the, the with the Lady Gaga bog witch, <laughs> like, he right, shot a yeah. shot. Oh, he, yeah. He's like, I only have one chance to fuck a bog witch, and he Look, took it. She, she, Queenie rolled a fucking dangerous dice. That shit had 20 sides, and 19 of them said, you die. But one of them said, nice. And <laughs> by God, she did it. But yeah. She got the nat 20 that she needed to fuck the Minotaur, and the DM was like, God fucking damn it. God yeah, that's fucking how damn I it. Are you paying the Minotaur, and you have an emotional speech about being treated like a beast by society. Fine. <laughs> the DM is furious, but you do survive the encounter. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, um, at a bar, um, Fiona is getting Madison, a 17-year-old, wasted, and they're playing pool, and, like, this is where all the guys are, like, ogling Madison, 
Um, and Fiona's very not mad or jealous about it, TM. Um, and she gets triggered and like dumps her drink out, and she like visualizes Madison as herself at her- when she was younger. Um, and it's a good like it's a good scene, but like at this point we already get it. So like we didn't mm-hmm. really need this scene, but like it's it's good for it, this one could have been left on the editing room floor IMO because um, we get it at this point. Um, but they added it anyway, um, and they take her back home. Um, and Fiona is like pointing at all the pictures of the Supremes and like telling Fiona or Fiona's telling Madison this. Um, and she's like, this is this Supreme. And when I die, this is where my painting is going to go. And then she like points at a spot and she goes, and when you die, this is where your painting is going to go. And Madison goes like, why would my painting go there? Um, and she's like, cause you're going to be the next Supreme. Um, and Madison's like kind of like shocked by this. She's like, oh shit. Like how, how do you know that? And that's kind of where, uh, Fiona starts giving the explanation of like, yeah, when one Supreme, um, starts to blossom the old one starts dying they start taking their life force um and now that you're getting your powers i'm dying real fast um i already was dying i have cancer and i have about a year left but now it's been like it's been fast tracked and i don't have like much time left at all because now you're getting your powers which means i'm actively actively dying um, and she's like, I'm not going to do chemo because I want to go out the way I want to go out, um, which is like, again, another good like another characterization on the character sheet for her. Um, and then this is where Fiona kind of gives like a little insight to like how she feels bad about being a bad Supreme. Like she hasn't been there for the school. Um, she's like the only Supreme who actively killed the last Supreme to take her powers. Most of them just die organically. And passed them on like a passing of a torch. But Fiona was selfish um, and wanted to be the Supreme for power and for like attention um, instead of using her position as the Supreme for good and keeping the other witches safe like other Supremes in the past have. Um, And she regrets that. Um, And this is genuine. Um, It's going to get superseded by something else in a few seconds, but it is genuine at this point. Um, And she's like, when you're the Supreme, you can't be selfish and awful like I was. You need to be better than me. Um, And then she's like, I was shitty and I killed my my mentor um, to atone for my sin. I need you to kill me. Just like fast track it. And she hands her the knife that she used to kill her Supreme, um, Anna Lee. And Madison's like, I'm not going to fucking kill you. I don't want to kill you. Like, what the fuck? Like, this is taking such a weird turn. Um, and they kind of like scuffle over the knife because Madison doesn't want to kill her. Um, and then during the scuffle, like push, push comes to shove and Fiona slits Madison's throat and Madison dies. It's so funny. Like it looks like she's trying to make it look like an accident, but I'm just sitting here like for who? Yeah. <laughs> like, for who? Like it, it, you clear. It's such a bad way. <sighs> Like, it would make sense if the injury looked like it could be someone dying from an accident. Like, if it just, like, slashed her arm really bad or something. Mm-hmm. You know, which also, hey, you're the Supreme Witch. You could probably patch that up. Let's all be real here. Yeah. But, nah, she just slashes her throat open in the same way she <laughs> slashed the other Supreme's throat open. Like, no, one move. One move, Fiona. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it has a 100%, 100% success rate, so... I mean, we, if it that works. we know of. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> uh, and so, well, anyway, Spalding's vibing in the hallway, being like, 
Ah, I'll fetch a rug, ma'am. Yeah, poor Spalding is standing in the same goddamn spot again and sees her kill Madison. And like, he just has this look on his face. He looks so sad. And I'm like, buddy, you got, you know, this always happens when you stand in that hallway. You've got to stop standing there. You're going to keep watching this lady murder people. You've got to stop standing in that doorway. Um, I hate living in the Clue Mansion. It's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And um, Fiona, like, immediately has a change of heart now that she's actually managed to kill Madison and is like, the only thing this coven needs isn't a new Supreme. It's a new rug. And she lights a cigarette. Um, and she tells Spalding to bury Madison's body. Um, and at this point, like, she doesn't outright say it. Because, and I'm glad that she doesn't because that would be bad writing. But, like, but now she believes that she's bought herself quite a bit of time because she's killed the upcoming Supreme. Which, again, has never happened because that's not usually how the Supreme thing works. That's not how, like, that situation usually works. It's usually a very peaceful passing of the torch. Um, it's not the Hunger Games, typically. Um, it, yeah, so, so she's she guessing. displays a little bit of foolhardy confidence with her overwhelming power that it, it seems to happen a lot. Like, it's a good characterization, right? Of like someone who has been all powerful for a while is possibly going to overestimate themselves from time to time. <laughs> Maybe consider <laughs> their, their, their uh, analysis a little better than it is, uh, given the historical evidence. Yeah, maybe be the victim of their own hubris. Who could say? Um, a little hubris, maybe. Oh, God, I just thought, oh, they're going to make Zoe. Oh, not Zoe. Come on. She sucks. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't met everybody yet. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, we haven't met all the characters yet. Oh, thank yet. God. Okay, okay. Woo! Yeah, still but, time. Mm, still hold <laughs> on to that The, one the Smash that, Brothers yeah. invitations have not all been passed out yet for the witch Smash Brothers yet. So, like, Oh, just... God bless episode four DLC. Yeah. <laughs> That being said, the title of episode four, very funny. Um, This is the full title, by the way. This is not me doing a bit. The title of episode four is Coven. Fearful pranks ensue. (laughs) Um, Which is the most like anime episode name they could have possibly given. It, it's so good. It's so because like, what the fuck could that even mean? Like, truly, given what we just saw, what the fuck does that mean? Well, I guess like, what to find out. Pranks. That lady just had her throat cut. What are you talking about? <laughs> also, including the title of the season in the episode name, Coven. That's uh, Fearful oof. pranks ensue. Like, was there an episode earlier called Fearful Pranks Ensue that no, we just missed? In an I don't think season? so. No. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll find out next week what the fuck that means. Because um, yeah. that's the end of this episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Have a good night, everyone. Until next time. See ya. Bye. <laughs>